I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. programs and welcome back to the 2018 edition of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and i'm derek diamond so it's a new year new games to play uh we haven't been here for about two what three weeks something like that and uh (laughs) feels like much longer it does i feel like we haven't been here in forever um i got a lot of gaming done over the holidays i don't know about you you did, yeah. I saw you got uh, you got Mario Odyssey. Mm-hmm. I got uh, I got Mario Odyssey. I got Mario Kart Eight, and my wife and I have been enjoying that immensely. Um, I, I'm still gonna say that uh, Breath of the Wild is still my favorite. Um, it's my game of the year for last year. Wow, and, and I mean, I, I don't, I don't dis, I don't, you know, argue that for sure. I mean, Breath of the Wild's a great game. Don't get me wrong. I liked Mario Odyssey, but it just doesn't have the that you know that ad- sense of just open world adventure that uh, Breath of the Wild had. You know, Mario's m- m- more sort of a straightforward like get to your objective and and do that objective. And then there's some really good uh, end game content to that game. Uh, it pretty much turns into Mario sixty four. After you defeat yeah. the game, spoilers. Sorry, um, but yeah, I enjoy it, but I don't have the that desire to go back and keep playing it like I do with Breath of the Wild. 
It's understandable. It's funny because, you know, after you beat the the final boss in Mario Odyssey and you can go to the Mushroom Kingdom, the first time you collect a power moon, which is shaped like the old power stars from Mario 64, it even plays the old sound effect. Mm-hmm. And like I, I, I lost it when that happened. I was like, oh, my God, they <laughs> used the old sound effect. It was awesome. And you can even get um, I don't know if you've collected any of the different outfits. But they have mm. the Mario 64 costume where he looks all blocky and everything. Really? I didn't know so, that. Yeah, so anytime that I go to the Mushroom Kingdom, I switch into that costume. <laughs> so it has that, you know, even more of a Mario 64 feel to it. Yeah. There were just so many fun, nostalgic moments in that game like that. Um, meeting Pauline, who's, you know, the mayor of New Donk City and the Metro Kingdom. Doing the old uh, original Donkey Kong level in 2-bit. Uh, it, it was, you know, moments like that were what made that game great to me. But yeah. I actually have been going back and playing uh, Breath of the Wild again, uh, trying to find some of the shrines that I've missed because God knows there's a lot of them. There's what, like and, 114, uh, I think, or something like that, 120? Yeah, there's 120. Wow. But I've, I've also been going back and doing the, um, the new Champions Ballad DLC, which... So far is not as hard as the Trial of the Sword DLC, but it's it's very time consuming. Uh, I, I won't give away spoilers because I don't know if you've played it yet, but you basically when you beat the four divine beasts, you can go back to the resurrection chamber. You put your Sheikah slate uh, in its original uh, slot where it was when you found it at the beginning of the game, and then you get. Um, you ha- the Great Plateau basically turns into a giant trial. You get this, um, it's like a giant pitching fork. Um, and it's extremely powerful. You can kill any enemy with just one hit. Hmm. The only problem is it sucks your life energy to where you only have a quarter of a heart of energy. <laughs> so you can kill with one hit, but you can also be killed in one hit. Wow. So you have to go to these designated areas on the map and kill, you know, whatever enemies are in that area. And you've got to be extremely careful because you can use like your bow and arrow, but as far as equipping other weapons, that fork is the only thing you can use. Wow. And then and then once you destroy those enemies, um, a new shrine opens up that you have to accomplish. And then you do you have to do four of those. And then the fork breaks into four pieces and goes through four different locations throughout the map. Then from there, you've got to go to four other locations. So it, it's very, I haven't beat it yet, but it's very, very time consuming. Uh, I might start doing the, uh, the, the DLC stuff pretty soon. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm taking a little bit of break uh, of a break from gaming because I, that's pretty much all I did for my entire, um, uh, my vacation, you know, uh, we're going out of town, yep. visiting family. And of course I brought the switch with me and trying to sing the praises of the, uh, the switch to everyone that would listen to me, uh, go on and on about it. So, um, yeah, I, I was playing a lot of Mario Kart, just, you know, just sitting there like going to visit family and stuff. And, and, you know, you find a few quiet moments and you just sit there and play a couple of maps and, it's really fun. Yeah, Mario Kart 8 is great. I mean, I have, honestly have never played a Mario Kart game that I have not liked. Yeah. And this one's really good because it's the it's basically a port from the Wii U, but it has all of the DLC 
excuse me, that was in that game. So you don't have to really unlock too much, mm. but it's, it, it's straight up fun. You know, it's, if you like Mario Kart, then you'll love Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Yeah. And I played a lot of, uh, online play, uh, against other mm-hmm. people, which is fun. Uh, and I didn't do too bad. You know, I usually, I suck at online games, <laughs> but, uh, I would place within the top five, every match I was playing. So that, that felt good. Yeah. Yeah, we played a little bit. We did uh, like an all-day live stream uh, as part of the Nerd Cave during our break, and we had a, a section where we played Mario Kart, and it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I like it. Switch is the best thing, best purchase I made last year, so I'm looking forward to everything that's coming out for the Switch this year. I'm ready for some big Nintendo announcements. Come on, Metroid. Well, we know it's coming. It's coming. But we don't know when. Yeah, I have a feeling they're going to announce it, and it's going to be. Uh, it'll probably be a late year release next fall. I have. I'm pretty sure they're going to come out. They they need a big release for the end of this year because I mean, mm-hmm. think about it. This first year, they've already had Mario Odyssey and Legend of Zelda, two yeah huge titles. They're two they, biggest. Yeah, they're two biggest titles. What's their third biggest title? I mean, arguably uh, Metroid. So they've got to have a Metroid game coming soon, like really soon. And there hasn't been a new Metroid in a long time. No, I can't even remember the last Metroid game that came out. There was one for the Wii that I never played, but they, I know they did a 3DS one, but it was basically a remake of the old Metroid two game boy game. Yeah. So we haven't had an original Metroid game, um, since the Wii. So it's been a while. I'm wondering, um, when they're going to do their announcements for the big games coming out this year, because I know they've got the, uh, the switch online that's going to be coming soon. Uh, they, which they said is, you know, early 2018. So that's got to be coming really soon. Um, I, but they've got to have some pretty big, uh, titles to announce for this year coming up at least. Yeah. I'm trying to look right now to see if there might be anything. Let's see. Uh, A lot of people think that the new Pokemon game is going to come out this year. I really don't think so, because if they want to make it as big as they say they are, it's going to take a while. We're basically talking like Breath of the Wild level free open world. Yeah. But with Pokemon. So that that's going to take that's going to take a long, long time. Yeah. Well, another thing I was thinking of, too, over the holidays, what is the one game that I would really want to see on the Switch? I really hope that, you know, Konami blows everybody's mind this year and says, hey, we're working on a new Castlevania game for the Switch. That would be awesome. Imagine a Castlevania game that's as open world as and as, you know, in depth as Breath of the Wild. That would be a dream come true right there. The I would play it. of Simon Belmont. I would absolutely play it. I would love to see maybe a new Star Fox game, but I know they did one for the Wii U, but to me, I put an asterisk by the Wii U because so few people played it. (laughs) But to me, if you were, if you were to make like a new Star Fox and put it out this year, even though the, when did Star Fox zero come out? I want to say like 2015 or maybe even 2016. 
And to me, it wouldn't matter because, like I said, I put an asterisk by the Wii U. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I'm just excited to see what they're going to be coming out with this year. And, and the thing is, I don't give a damn what's coming out on like the PlayStation 4, like Xbox One. I just don't care. I just give me all the Nintendo. That's what I want. Yeah. The only thing with PlayStation that I care about is Kingdom Hearts 3. But I don't know that that's coming out this year because that's that game's been delayed so many times. But if they released it on the Switch, I would get it on that in a heartbeat. Oh, of course. But I, the, if there was one game that the, if they were to ask me, say, what do you want this year? I want Castlevania. I want a new Castlevania game. That would be my pick. For me, I would say Metroid, and I, I think we're going to get it. Either one of those I'd be happy with. <laughs> and, and maybe a punch out. <laughs> that'd be kind of wild. Yeah, that'd be a full year. But uh, but we got some news stories to get to tonight. Let's dive into those. From Nintendo Life, uh, a Twitch streamer accidentally sets new Tetris World record. Uh, Jonas Neubauer, a.k.a. Nubbins Goody, was streaming live whilst actually attempting to break the record for clearing 100 lines in Tetris. During the attempt, he casually noted how he had quickly reached 300,000 points, uh, another well-known Tetris world record, and continued to blast his way to the 100 lines. After messing up in the attempt, he he turned to the comments to find out that he had actually broken the record for reaching 300,000 points in an amazing minute 57. You can watch the events unfold below which they have the uh, the YouTube video right here. And that's crazy. Like, have you ever tried to, like, play Tetris past, like, level 12? I don't even know that I've made it to level 12. <laughs> it gets, like, to the point where it's just... You have to be some sort of robot to be able to, to live past those levels. Yeah, and just the fact that he did this by pure accident, yeah, I can't imagine because I haven't it. watched the video. <laughs> he didn't even Say know again. he did it. That's the, the craziest part. Yeah, if and I was actually just thinking if this guy is single, he could easily land like a, a nerdy chip. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, I broke the record on Tetris. Because <laughs> <laughs> we all know how women jump on those uh, world world video game record guys. <laughs> right, uh, but that's awesome though. Uh, congratulations to him. Yeah, and he has an awesome username too, Nubbins Goody. Yeah, <laughs> Nubbins Goody. I'm, yeah, I'm curious as to, to the meaning behind that. But also coming to us from Nintendo Life, the Retro Bit puts Super Retro Boy on hold following Game Boy trademark renewal. Remember the Super Retro Boy? It was one of the products Retro Bit was supposed to launch during 2017, which we talked about previously on this mm-hmm. podcast. And would have accepted Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance cartridges. We've reached out to, uh, well, let's see, it was slated for an August release with a retail price of $79.99. August came and went, and the console failed to appear. We've reached out to Retrobit and have been told that following Nintendo's application for a renewed Game Boy trademark, the company has put the project on hold until it can find a way of releasing the system without causing any legal problems with Nintendo. Um. Well, it's, it also says here that it's releasing physical versions of R-Type and Holy Diver, which mm-hmm. I put another um, uh, uh, article in here that was talking about that. And I don't know which article came out first, probably the other one. 
since that's a retro bit as well, talking about the return of R-Type and Holy Diver. Um, but yeah, we had talked about this before, and um, we had talked about Nintendo uh, renewed their Game Boy trademark, and that's what everybody was talking about when they're, everybody started screaming, oh, is Nintendo coming out with a Game Boy Mini? And I think me and you both were in agreement that, no, probably not. It's just more or less, I, I think it's was Nintendo just kind of covering their bases. Yeah, I, we talked about how they, what they should do with Game Boy. Instead of releasing a physical console, they need to do like an app package. Yeah. And they can call it, you know, the Game Boy Classic, you know, whatever you want to throw at the end of it. And just release like 20 games. And if it does well, which I think it will, then a year later you do Game Boy Classic Collection Volume 2. Yeah. And you add another 20 games to it. That That's the way I think they should go. And maybe, you know, they could have um, some kind of layout that goes on your phone to where it almost plays like a Game Boy. Yeah. I mean, they could even do That's it. what I, mean, I think they should do. I mean, phones are big enough now. That, you know, if you have like an iPhone, uh, I mean, a bigger look at the iPhone, size of mine. Yeah. I mean, you could do the bottom half of the phone could be, you know, the, the D pad and the button on the screen itself. And then the top half of the screen be the, you know, the, the, like looks like, you know, an emulation of the original Game Boy screen. They yeah. could easily do that. Yeah. But I and plus, know. you know, N Nintendo hasn't really they've dabbled into it, but they haven't really gone all out with, you know, mobile gaming. Yeah. And I think that would be a great way for them to do it. Well, it'd be a good way to uh, kind of test the waters, too, and kind of get their feet yeah. wet with what they could do like with mobile gaming. But Nintendo kind of does everything on their own schedule, so... <laughs> And they always seem yep. to land on their feet. So, uh, you know, whatever they've got planned, I mean, we have no idea, but it, it seems like whatever Nintendo touches either horribly fails or turns to gold. One of the two. There's no in-between whatsoever. It's either feast or famine with yeah. Nintendo. But, you know, I, I would, if they did that, if they did a Game Boy Classic Collection, I would buy that in an absolute heartbeat because, yeah, be you know, I, I, I love the Game Boy growing up and even, you know, starting over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to start reviewing some Game Boy games, yeah. which I think is going to be a lot of fun because I, I haven't really gone back and revisited some of these games in a long time. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to doing that. Yeah. But like we were talking about this other article also from Nintendo Life is Retrobit announces R-Type Returns for Super Nintendo. Uh, see, R-Type Returns will bring both uh, entries of the series exclusive to the Super Nintendo, Super R-Type, and R-Type 3, the third Lightning, into a single multi-cart. Um, oh, I guess this is actually going to be for the actual Super Nintendo. I, I kind of got confused. Mm -hmm. I thought this was for the, uh, the, the Game Boy as well, but this is an actual cart for the Super Nintendo. Uh, this limited edition box includes... Uh, box, instruction manual, stickers, lithographs, a pen, and a certificate of authenticity. First run, which is limited to 1,000 units, is currently letting cons uh, consumers choose the desired cartridge color. Um, and then NES fans need not feel left out because Retrobit is giving a similar treatment to another IRM retro game, a new chance at the spotlight, a rather impressive Castlevania-like Holy Diver. 
the same exclusive thousand run physical treatment we'll be giving to this challenging platformer along with all the same extras you will get with the previous r-type bundle i might actually get this holy diver uh let's see this looks this package looks awesome this holy diver package yeah um it, you know it's an original nintendo cart uh cartridge with dust cover full color instruction manual sticker collection uh a pen certificate of authenticity and limited edition lithographs this looks great dude that hard dust cover just brings back so many memories yeah it does that's awesome even the like the Super Nintendo one. If uh if you pull the trigger on the the NES, I'll get the SNES. Let me look at this. Is there a link here? Um, is there a link in? Why does it have a link for Castlevania but not Holy Diver? Um, I don't see a link in here, but I'm gonna look this up and see exactly how much it's gonna cost. Yeah, because if it is reasonable, I am so getting this. Oh, well, here's the uh, retrobitgaming.com. Let's just look at that. retrobitgaming.com. Take a look here. Let's see. Oh, they got a lot of stuff on here. Ooh, they got a Data East collection. Uh, the data, the data oh, east, data east all star collection for twenty nine ninety nine. Uh, let me look up on here. Let's see, do they have a search bar? Why would you not have a search bar? Come on, who doesn't have search bars these days? Here we go. Oh, uh, let's see, holy diver. Mm -hmm. Uh oh, search has no results. I wonder if it's sold out already. I'm thinking this is Let's probably see, sold out already. It might have. All right, the search bar was there, and now it's gone. <laughs> yeah, huh. there's a lot of cool stuff on here. Um, yeah. So just go to retrobit.com uh, or retrobitcollection.com. There is a lot of cool stuff on here, especially this Data East collection. Uh, it's got bad mm -hmm. dudes on it, which is one of my favorite <laughs> beat 'em ups. Uh, Ring King, which is uh, it's not quite as good as uh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out, but it's still a really good boxing game for the Nintendo. This might have to be mine for twenty nine ninety nine. That is not a bad price at all for that. Mm -mm. Uh, but we better <laughs> we better move on <laughs> or we'll be looking at this forever. Um, let's go ahead and move yep. into this month in video game history. Ooh, that was weird. Uh, in 1982, January, Sega releases Zaxxon, which introduces isometric graphics and looks far more 3D than any other raster games at the time. Zaxxon. I do remember Zaxxon. Let me take a look here. Oh, that is whoever made that font is definitely a Tron fan. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's oh, instantly I what Zaxxon. I thought of. I do remember this game. It's it's a really weird kind of um, uh, shooter, almost like a River Raid, but it's kind of set at a weird angle. It's really odd. 
Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I've never heard of this game. Really, this was a big, mm-hmm. big game back in the uh, the early '80s in the in the in the arcades. Of course, I'm an old man, so I remember stuff like this. <laughs> no, it's all good. It says here it was included as an unlockable arcade game in Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection for the Xbox 360 and PS3, and it was also released on the Wii Virtual Console. Hmm. I don't remember ever seeing it. I mean, it it looks kind of cool, but like I said, I've never heard of it. Yeah, if you like the games, kind of like a, you know those uh, those shooters like a 1942 or um, you know River Raid things like that. Yeah, the, this is right up your alley. Sweet. Uh, January thirteenth, nineteen eighty-two, Midway releases Miss Pac-Man, despite it being copyrighted as nineteen eighty-one. It is, as the name suggests, the sequel to Pac-Man, but was created without Namco's authorization. They also release Baby Pac-Man and Pac-Man Plus without Namco's authorization later in the year. The former is a pinball-slash-video game hybrid. I had no idea that game was made without Namco's authorization. I did not know that either. That's uh, that's quite a surprise. Because a lot of people like Miss Pac-Man more than the original. I do, honestly. Uh, Every... I am attracted to every Miss Pac-Man machine I ever see when I go somewhere. Whether it's a pizza shop or an arcade, if I if there's a Miss Pac-Man machine there, I have to play it. Um, and one of the uh, one of my life goals is actually to have a cocktail version of Miss Pac-Man. I will have one one day. That would be awesome. Uh, and I was trying to read here if uh, if there was any sort of uh, there's any sort of lawsuits or anything that happened with this. Um, uh, its popularity led to its adoption as an official title by Namco uh, in late 1980. Or no, wait, um, no. It says this. Um, hold on, let me back up. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Miss Pac-Man was released in North America in January 1982 and is one of the most popular arcade video games of all time. This popularity led to its adoption as an official title by Namco, the creator of Pac-Man, which was released in the United States in late 1980. Miss Pac-Man introduced a female protagonist, blah, blah, blah. Um, It became the most successful American-produced arcade game of 1981, selling 115,000 arcade cabinets. So I guess, I mean, I don't think there was any sort of litigation. Maybe it was just Namco just bought it out or something. I'm not sure exactly what happened to this. That's insane. I would have never known that little fact about Miss Pac-Man. And it's weird that there was no like litigation or anything about this. I mean, that's kind of like... You know, uh, Nintendo releases Super Mario Brothers, and then like Midway comes along and puts out Super Mario Brothers Two, <laughs> and then Nintendo's like, "Oh, you're, we're good," <laughs> but we'll we'll take it as one of yeah. our own. That's weird. But I, I'm we we all know that would never have happened. Yeah, with that would <laughs> <laughs> that that would that would not fly at all. No. Uh, in January of 1983, uh, Apple Computers releases the Apple IIe which becomes their most popular 8-bit machine. Uh, and this um, was the computers that we used to have when I was in elementary school. And we used to play games like uh, um, Oregon Trail. 
Uh, and of course, I see on here oh, Zigzag. Man. I used to play that. We used to play Hangman. I have a lot of memories with this computer. We should do a review of the Oregon Trail. We should. <laughs> I'm sure we can that find could... an emulation of it somewhere. I'm sure it's not that hard to find. That could be like our next co-review that we do. You know, if I was I come lo- across... I love that game in school. Oh, it, I was always dying of dysentery. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> um, until I actually got dysentery in real life when I was about 27 years old. But that's a story for another day. Um, <laughs> uh, but actually, if I was to come across one of these, a working machine, I would buy one of these. Because just looking at this, like, brings back elementary school. Like the, our computer classes in elementary school, I would love to just have one of these just to kind of just for the nostalgia factor. Oh, for sure. I want to say I had something similar to this um, when I was in school, but I can't remember exactly what it was. It might have been like the the version after this. Yeah. If there if there was a version after this, but uh, yeah, the the computer. It does look like with this monitor and everything, it does look very familiar. Yeah. Well, I mean, they so were I'm using sure these I've, computers. I'm sure I've for, used these at one point. You know, once the schools all bought these computers, I'm sure they kept them for like a decade to get you oh, know, I'm their sure. money's worth out of them. Because let me tell you, even back then, apples were not cheap. Oh, I believe it. I'm pretty sure each one I of these was close to $1,000 probably. And we had a computer lab with like, 15 or 20 of these sitting in the computer lab. I don't even want to know what mm-hmm. that cost the school back then. And that was like 1983, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, well, Wilson, if I ever run across one, it's mine. That'd just be a cool thing to have, like as yeah. a display in your house. Like, it, oh yeah, this is an old Apple IIe. I would just have Oregon trail in it. Though I could just pop it on <laughs> and it would just immediately, like the first thing you see is Oregon trail. If you touch this computer, you will die of dysentery. Yeah. <laughs> uh, January 1st, 1992, Dune 2 is released by Westwood Studios, creating the template for the modern real-time strategy game. I've heard of this game, but I've never played it. Dune 2. I have never played this. Uh, and this is actually set in the Dune universe um, by Frank Herbert. Which, have you ever tried to read the Dune books? They are quite, I have not. Uh, you thought Lord of the Rings was convoluted? Try reading Dune. Like, you read the entire thing and you're just like, what the hell did I just read? <laughs> Does it document the entire journey to uh, drop the ring in the lava? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> With house this and house that. And these yeah. people fighting these people. And I'm like, who are these people? I don't care. But, uh, but on January 15th of 1992, Mega Man 4 is released in the U.S. Of course it was. Why not? They released Mega Man last month. Why not yeah. release one this month? <laughs> I can't wait until later this year when Mega Man X comes out. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. I, I'm definitely going to get the new one when it comes out. Oh, and you know, if they're going to bring back Mega Man, let's just, just go all out. Go back to the old... Uh, NES library. Let's go ahead and, and let's bring back uh, Ghosts and Goblins. Let's bring back. Um, let's see what else. Uh, hmm. Here's what they should bring back. 
They never made a sequel to Duck Hunt. Yeah, I was actually just thinking, what could we do that incorporates the light gun? Because I, I can't remember if I told you this story, but the last Super Smash Brothers game they released for uh, the Wii U, one of the characters you can play as is the dog from yeah. Duck Hunt. <laughs> you should have and, a game where we just shoot the dog. Yeah. <laughs> and and I and I love animals and everything, but when I saw that announcement, I'm like, I am going to F him up. <laughs> and sure uh, enough, I did. I'll, I'll have to send you, I'll have to find the announcement trailer they did. Because um, when they would announce like unlockable characters, they would release like little like ninety second trailers. It's done really well. I'll, I'll have to find it and send it to you. I think you'll really like that's it. That's awesome. But they need. Why not go back to the old libraries? Start bringing stuff back, man. Bring Kid Icarus, dude. Excite Bike. Imagine how cool right? a new version of Excite Bike would be. Just like it's like Mario Kart. But you get to like design your own levels because that was the best part of Excite Bike was building your own tracks. Here's one for you, Star Tropics. Yeah, why not? Bring back Mike. Bring back the the Tropics, and let's uh, find the aliens, and let's do all that again in open world like Breath of the Wild. Come on, Nintendo, let's do this <laughs> on January first. Oh, do what? <laughs> I was going to say, we're just printing out money for yeah, you, Nintendo. Just, just take, take these, it. Just take these. We're not even asking for any money for these ideas. Just take them and run with it and make some money. But Absolutely. as we know, Nintendo does not like to make money. So, Yeah. But on uh, January 1st, 1992, Atari Corporation dropped support for the Atari 2600, Atari 8-bit family, Atari 7800, and software for those systems. It took them till 1992 to stop making hardware for the Atari 2600. <laughs> I, I I guess people were still buying it. I I don't know. That like, that's a surprise to me. It's kind of like I heard like what was it like 2015 I think, and Sony was like, "We're going to stop making uh, beta cassettes." I'm like, "What? The people still use beta?" But yeah, they still do. Uh-oh, I think we have a problem. Let me pause, and we'll bring uh, Derek back in just a moment. Uh, if you're listening to to the, the podcast version, of course, Skype took a dump, so we had to pause for a moment. But if you're watching on uh, YouTube or Twitch, um, you got to see me try to ramble until Derek came back, which I'm not good at rambling. <laughs> Uh, I hate Skype. Yeah. This oh. this show will never be sponsored by Skype. No, it will not. Uh, but we were talking about, they supported, uh, Atari supported the 2600 until 1992, which is nuts. Because that, that was like, uh, I don't know if you heard me talking about, like in 2015, Sony had finally stopped production. Or it might have been Sony or somebody uh, like that, like Toshiba or something finally stopped production of uh, beta cassettes. And I'm like, what? people still use beta? That's like a 40-year-old technology. Yeah. It's like, I guess next year they're going to discontinue the 8-track. Dude, they still make VHS tapes. I'm like, when are they going to stop making VHS? I have no idea. That's That's wild. 
Like yeah. I was saying before I got cut off, I I guess people were still buying it. I I don't know. I, that that's I got nothing for that one. Yeah, and even like we would go back to the Atari thing. Like in 1992, the Atari 2600 was already just ancient at that point. I mean, the the Atari 2600 came out what in like 76, I think 77, somewhere I think around so. there. And you know, by the time the 1983 video game crash happened, like it was already just a crap technology at that point. You know, the Nintendo was about to come out and after seeing Nintendo, why would you go back and be like, yeah, I want to go get an Atari 2600. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters, May 17th, Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I don't know. I I got nothing for that one. I don't know. Uh, I really don't. <laughs> but uh, but let's go ahead and move into our mid-roll here. And um and Derek, why don't you tell them about what you're listening to on book cassettes so this for, week. <laughs> on book cassettes book everywhere. Cassettes. <laughs> Just released on 8-track. Mm-hmm. For you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Now, I have not started listening to this yet, but I am going to this week. I am finally going to listen to Ready Player One. The movie's coming out in a couple of months. Uh, The trailers look great. I think the concept is really cool. And I've heard nothing but great things about the book. Uh, The book is actually narrated by Will Wheaton, which I think is pretty interesting. So I'm really excited to, to start listening to that and hopefully... I'll be done with it, you know, by the time the movie comes out. The book's uh, 15 hours and 40 minutes long, Woo. so it, it's a uh, it, it's a nice hefty one to uh, to listen to. But I'm really excited for it. Other books, um, you know, we've talked a lot about Star Wars books. They have Shadows of the Empire, Phasma, Bloodline. They have gaming books, uh, Halo, Gears of War, Mass Effect. They have mysteries. They have romance. If you're into if you're into you know romantic things, if you're a ro- hopeless romantic like I am, uh, they have fiction, nonfiction, anything that you want. Audible has, and it's a great service to have because you can listen to it um, while you're working out, while you're doing laundry. So you don't have to actually sit down and read a book. But to do that, go to audibletrial.com/nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com/nerdcave. For your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. Hey, Derek, do you know who runs Barter Town? Who runs Barter Town? Blaster Blaster runs Barter Town. (laughs) (laughs) 
Blaster Master is a platform and run-and-gun video game released by Sunsoft for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, it is a localized version of a Japanese Famicom game titled... Cho uh, now, hang with me for this. <clears throat> Here we go. Cho Wakasai, Wakasai Senki Metafight uh, means Super Planetary War Records Metafight. Or simply called Metafight, <laughs> which was released on June 17th, 1988. That was kind of convoluted, man. <laughs> Uh, you just name off this. Oh, it's Super Planetary War Records, blah, 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 Metafight. Or you can just call it Metafight. Yeah. So, yeah. Just also simply called Metafight. Thanks for putting me through all that. <laughs> uh, this game is the first in the Blaster Master series, and it spawned two spinoff titles as well as two sequels. Um, first thing I'm going to say about this game is it is considered, which I consider it as well, one of the... the hidden gems of the Nintendo Entertainment System. It very successfully blends different genres of gameplay. Not only is it kind of, it's a side-scroller um, platformer, but it also has um, elements of like a top-down Zelda type of shooter, which it really blends those two very well. Um, and it's... I, <laughs> Just when you first put this game in, like, the first... Like, you think the title is weird? The Super Planetary War Records colon Metafight, also simply called Metafight. Metafight. <laughs> as soon as you turn the game on, you get a cutscene where this kid is, like, feeding his frog, his pet frog. And the frog jumps away goes outside the house. I guess he jumps out the window or whatever. And for some reason, this kid has a biohazard waste, some sort of like chemical barrel in his yard. And the frog jumps on the barrel, gets covered in toxic waste, grows to like a hundred times its normal size, and then jumps into a giant hole in the ground. And so the kid jumps after it, as you do, and then, you know, he comes across the, the giant tank that he uses throughout the game named Sophia. And he puts on the Blaster Master armor to go and fight his giant frog pet friend. As you do. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> so, why not? Yeah, why not? Um, that's pretty much all you get at the beginning of the game <laughs> to, to kind of figure out what the hell's going on. Uh, but when I'm looking at the, the what the plot here says, the game takes place on the planet Sophia the Third, located near the center of the Epsilon Galaxy, in which the advanced civilization flourished in the year 2052 of the Space Age calendar. The Enbem Dark Star Army, led by the universe's most feared tyrant Goez, invade and conquer Sophia the Third. Now, this goes on and on. I, I, I don't even want to go... Uh, let's see. Game starts with a person named Jason. Uh, hey! Who has a pet frog oh, there you named go. Fred, who one day decides to leap out of his fishbowl and out the door. Fred then touches a radioactive chest, and he grows to enormous size. Fred and the, the chest then fall into a hole in the earth. 
Jason chases Fred down the hole, which leads to a large underground cavern. While most sources say that the that Jason chased Fred down the hole, the game's instruction manual says that Jason fell into the hole while trying to reach for Fred. There, he finds an armored tank named Sophia III, a vehicle designed to battle radioactive mutants that live inside the Earth. Jason mounts Sophia <laughs> to find the whereabouts of Fred and destroy the mutants and their leader, the Plutonium Boss. The opening sequence has been described as one of the greatest scenes in all of video games. I'm going to dispute that, but, you know, whatever they say. The only thing that I can think of to say about this is this needs to be yours and Wally's next movie. Yeah, I think we could make a script off of this. <laughs> and just pull together all your resources, give Sophia a voice, and have it be voiced by The Rock. Yeah, that dude, you give us our movie check. Let's do this. <laughs> and I and somehow I want in. Yeah, dude, you could play Jason. And you could uh, put uh, on. Sure. <laughs> I'll play the frog. I'll, I'll voice the frog, Fred. <laughs> oh, uh, man. But as weird as it sounds, this is a really cool game. And it's one of the most fun games you can play for the Nintendo. I do have some gripes, though. This game okay. has no save feature. All right. No save feature. And guess what? It doesn't even have, uh, uh, what do you call it? A code. The password system. Password system. No password system. You've got to finish. So you this just can't game. save it at all. No, you got to finish this game in one sitting. And let me tell you, I did not finish this game because I'm sorry. Without some sort of walkthrough, or a map, or actually drawing yourself a map, because this game. The, the 2D side-scroller uh, platforming parts are very reminiscent of Metroid, um, where it's very maze-like, and you have to do a lot of backtracking. Like, there's one part where you get to level 3, and you defeat the boss, and you get, um, you know, you get uh, hover... Uh, um, you go through the game, and you get different power-ups to use for Sophia. And one of the power-ups you get is Hover. And the only way to get to level 4 is to get the Hover conversion for the tank. And when you do that, that's at the end, when you defeat the boss at the end of level 3. Then you have to backtrack all the way to the very beginning of the game, where you started. It doesn't just, like, automatically port you back there. You have to physically drive back through the levels to get back to where you started in the game to go use the hover um, uh, conversion to go up to be able to get to the platform to get you into level four. So there's a lot of backtracking in this game. And as fun as it is, and as innovative as this game is, that is the fatal flaw of this game, is there's no sort of save system or even password system because this game is long. It's so long. I don't even know if I was even close to being finishing the game. Like, I, I don't, I mean, I I was like, what, three hours in <laughs> before I finally mm -hmm. stopped? And I'm like, I just don't have time 
to keep going and I have no way to save. There's no password system. So you've got to play this game. If you want to beat it, you have to go at in, in one sitting. I just don't understand why you wouldn't even have a password system, especially for a game that's that long. Because I'm seeing here that it was released in, in 88. And Zelda had a save feature, and that was released in, like, 85. Yeah. I, I just... That, to me, makes zero sense. And honestly, like, I would say that's that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Especially for a game that long. And that, And... I hate having to use walkthroughs, but for games like this, I have to. Uh, it even says here, one of the main criticisms of Blaster Master has been its difficulty. Uh, IGN's Levi Buchanan mentioned the lack of passwords or save features as used in Metroid. The game had to be completed in one sitting. They added that some players need to exploit the grenade glitch, which I didn't even know about this till I looked it up last night, to beat some of the bosses. Um, there's some weird thing you got to do where as soon as the boss appears, you just nail it with a bunch of grenades and then you pause the game for like 25 seconds. And then when mm-hmm. you unpause, the boss automatically dies. It's like some weird glitch that people figured out. Um, but yeah, this game is so long and it's really easy to get lost because if you've ever played metroid for the nintendo i mean when i was a kid i had graph paper where i was like making a map of metroid to like be able to remember where i'd been and where i was going you got to do the same thing for this game because not only Mm -hmm. is there like a side scrolling you know the the metroid type of uh you know 2d platforming there's also the top down like you actually can press select get to get out of the tank and you can actually go into like smaller doors, which take you into the dungeons where you're, it's the top down uh, sort of Zelda like, you know, dungeon where you have to go through. And, you know, you have like a little mini boss or, you know, where you go and you fight the bosses. And some of them you have like mini bosses where you'll go in and you can get um, like different power ups and stuff like that. It's just it's such a long, <laughs> it's a long game, and to not have any sort of way to save this game was just, I don't know if they just forgot, or they just didn't feel the need to put one in there, but that was a dumb mistake, especially for this game. Yeah, I Like I said, I just have no idea why they would not put any type of a save feature in there. Right. It just, it, it's, it makes no sense. Yeah. That, that's have, all I can say. And you also have a limited number of continues too. So, and this game's really hard. So, I mean, you've got to be really good at this game um, and use a walkthrough to get it. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I do recommend this game to have in your collection. I think it's, the cover art's really cool and it looks good on the shelf and it's it's definitely one of those like it it really did something innovative and like blended the different genres to be to to have this sort of game and the controls are really good on this game but like i said just that lack of save feature is just this just dumb and i really wish that they would remake this game for like the uh you know the the eShop and have it available. I would mm-hmm. play this on the Switch, but give me a freaking save option. 
No, absolutely. And just yeah, honestly, the plot just sounds so outlandish yeah. <laughs> that it that it makes me want to play it. Mostly just to see that opening cutscene. Oh, dude. I go look on YouTube. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. It's so weird. <clears throat> and just you know, like you watch it and you're like, the hell did I just watch? Yeah. But um as far as like the accolades, this game it made a couple of lists. Like, um, let's see, who listed it? Uh, let's see, let me just start here. Uh, the game received notable recognitions in gaming magazines. It was featured on the cover of the premiere issue of Video Games and Computer Entertainment in December 1988. I actually had this issue. Electronic Gaming Monthly <coughs> listed the game at number one in its top 10 games list in the premiere issue. In Nintendo Power, the game debuted at number 12 in its top 30 NES games list in its March to April 1989 issue. It later climbed to number 6 from May to August 89 before it peaked at number 5 in September behind Zelda 2, Super Mario 2, Ninja Gaiden, and Legend of Zelda. Um, Nintendo Power also listed it as number 63 in its 100 best games of all time list while Electronic Gaming Monthly listed it at number 184 in its top 200 games of their time list. IGN lists it as number 22 in its top 100 top, top 100 NES games list. So the game is worthy of the, the accolades that it gets. It's just, you know, when you don't have a save feature for a game that's this long and this punishing, you know, it... It's kind of hard to give it a really high score, at yeah. least for me. Yeah, and even I'm seeing here that you know IGN gave it a nine out of ten, Mean Machines gave it ninety one percent, All Game gave it four and a half stars out of five. I mean, I've never played this game, but if if I, I'm ranking it, I would drop it at least two points for yeah. not having a save feature. If this would have at least had um a, uh, some sort of password feature, I would give it a nine. But with no password feature or a way to save it, this it's going to get dropped to a 7. 6.5, I'm going to give it. Yeah. but Understandable. It does fall in my, my, you know, I think it's a must-have for Nintendo because it's definitely one of those games that, you know, I have a lot of nostalgia for it because I used to rent it a lot. I never owned it. But that's kind of the problem with this game is it was one of those games that Everybody I knew would rent it, but no one owned this game, <laughs> at least that mm -hmm. I knew. And uh, I think that kind of made it not sell as well. And that's right. why, you know, it never really had, it never really took off as a franchise. Yeah. Uh, it also says yeah, I can here, see that. Uh, April Fool's Day, April 1st, 2010. Sunsoft announced that a sequel to the game would be released on the virtual console titled Blaster Master Destination Fred. According to their press release, the game was only purported to be tested on several PlayChoice 10 machines in the Los Angeles area between 1988 and 89. Upon discovery of copies of the game in the Sunsoft headquarters in Japan, uh, Gaijin Works founder Victor Ireland said, I was blown away when I saw these when I was going through boxes of stored code, promotional items, and ROMs to see what we had on hand to release for the U.S. virtual console market. Finding these nine completely unknown cartridges literally stunned me. I knew it had to be put, up to, uh, put on the virtual console as fast as we could make it happen. 
Um, and I guess people actually believed it. <laughs> that, uh, they later confirmed on their website that the sequel was uh, an April Fool's Day hoax. You gotta love elaborate April Fool's jokes like that. And people always fall for it, too. Like, uh, yeah. I remember uh, Blizzard always does April Fool's Day jokes. And um, people always fall for it every year. That's why I just avoid the internet on April 1st. You know what's funny is I'm looking at um, the calendar. We record on Sundays. April Fool's Day is on a Sunday. <laughs> no. Uh, the 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 thing that got me the most on April Fool's Day, and it still angers me to this day, IGN went all out and they made a fake Legend of Zelda movie trailer. I saw. I I saw that, and I I'll just say this, you know, expletives included. I lost my shit <laughs> when I saw that, and then I saw the release date. It said April first. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I hate it when people do elaborate stuff like that. Like you'll have a company like Nintendo or somebody releasing something like that. And then it's like, well, you see the reaction you get. Why don't we really do something like that instead yeah. of, you know, stupid. they'll announce like, oh, we're doing a true sequel to Earthbound. Oh, wait, April Fool's. Damn it. Uh, but going back to Blaster Master, you know, I, I recommend it if you come across a copy of it. They're not expensive, you know. They're pretty much a dime a dozen for uh, Blaster Master. But if you like Metroid and you like uh, platformers, um, and it has... it, The graphics remind me a lot of... Um, like, the side-scrolling part really remind me of, like, uh, Castlevania 2. Like, sort of that you'd have to see it to sort of get the comparison. Um, and then like the top down stuff really reminds me of, uh, Fester's quest, even though I hate that game with a passion. I think I, let's see, when was Fester's quest released? This was released on June 7th, 88. Let me, let's see. Fester's quest. Cause we all know how bad I hated that game. Oh, it was released in 89. So I was thinking maybe they perfected the the mechanic of the, the shooting before they did Blaster Master. But it, they seem to have taken a downturn <laughs> because the, the, you know, the controls were so good and the, um, the, the gun, like the, the, the shooting mechanics were so good in Blaster Master. They were kind of the same thing in Fester's Quest, but they were just worse. And it yeah. was the same company that made them, so I don't know what happened there. Maybe they just... I don't know. I don't want to get into another Fester's Quest hate fest. But people can go back to you know yeah. older episodes and listen to your scathing review. Yeah, and I think um, what happened was is I was on my way to getting sick that when we recorded that episode, and I ended up getting mm -hmm. like a 103 degree fever later that night so I, that, yeah i remember i remember that yeah i really went off on fester's quest and maybe i need to go back and and relook at it again but i, I don't want to <laughs> <laughs> it came so awful so some things it's, it's like that old saying let sleeping dogs lie yeah i think so but uh, i but think yeah. that's a sleeping dog that you need to let lie yeah i think so that game is so oh, god 
You know, I, I actually um, uh, another thing about Blaster Master is also the best selling game ever in Barter Town. It is, and you know why? Who runs Barter Town? Master Blaster runs Barter Town. That's right. <laughs> you tell him, Tina Turner. You tell him. We don't need another hero. <laughs> Uh, but that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. So Derek, anything you want to, uh, tell everybody about before we leave tonight? I've actually got a few things to plug. Um, Ooh, the, you got a my, good one to plug too. Ooh, I can't wait for this episode. <laughs> so there's two, possibly three good round tables coming up for my podcast. This Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time, I'm going to be doing a roundtable about women in comedy. And I will have five, possibly six guests on to discuss uh, women who you know act for film and stage, improv, and stand-up, too. So it's going to be a combination of those three specific genres. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's something completely unique to anything that I've done. Similar to you know the Jeremy London panel I did a couple oh, yeah. of weeks ago. Oh, and that was a really good episode too. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, let's see. Next week I might be doing. It's not confirmed, but I might be doing a debate on whether or not the Last Jedi was a good movie. <laughs> because it it's led to like quite a few debates at work. So I'm like, you know what? I've got a platform where we can settle this. So why don't we do it? But then. Um, the 24th of January, I'm going to be doing a roundtable about cryptozoology, which is the study of like Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster. Wow. It's, it's going to be completely random. It's like another thing we were talking at work and we we're like, oh, well, why don't you know, why don't you do this? So I was like, well, that could actually be kind of cool. So just stay tuned to um, my my uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash D Diamond podcast and you can check out my newest episode, my interview with voice actor Charles Martinet, who is also the voice of Mario. Oh, the, the episode's out already. Yeah, I released it this past Thursday. Oh, because I, I haven't uh, checked in on my podcast uh, listening app, so I, it, it didn't it's, pop up for it's me. Not that, I was waiting for that. It's not that long, but it, it's it's a really good interview, and the guy will be at Pensacon, too. So Awesome. Man, you lucky. Yeah, that's... that's <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I got going on. Uh, but coming up next week for us, we have a special guest that's going to be dropping by the show. Um, should I tell people who it is, or should I wait? I I think you should. You know, get get that get that hook for people to come back next week. Well, if you've ever heard of the Frog Pants Network of shows, uh, Morning Stream, or if you listen to the uh, Film Sack. Or you listen to Current Geek, or you listen to all of his video game related podcasts, Core, uh, The Instance, and um, The Boop Show. Go check those out at frogpants.com. Mr. Scott Johnson is going to be here next week, and uh, that's going to be an excellent episode. I can't wait to have him on the show. Uh, and I'm working on some other people. To be on the show as well. We're going to have some returning guests really soon. Um, a couple of really good guests that I like having on. Uh, we're going to have them back. Uh, so if you enjoyed our guest segments uh, and shows the in the past, get ready. Some of those people are coming back. So it's going to be really fun. 
And uh, as far as Pop Culture Palette goes, uh, we just released another episode this last weekend. And uh, I forgot what we talked about. Um, I don't even remember. I know we talked about like Jumanji, which I enjoyed a lot. I thought I was going to hate it's it. It's such a... It's such a good movie. Way talk- better than what I expected. I laughed so hard in the theater. It was awesome. Let's talk about this for a second. <laughs> let's okay. just All right, we got a few more minutes. Let's let's talk about this. I went into this movie really like I just I didn't want to go. I mean, I just went because my wife uh my mother-in-law wanted to see it and they wanted to take us to the movies and she really wanted to see it. So I was like, "Okay, I can I can suffer two hours of, you know, a a crappy remake or rebranding or whatever because we've seen this happen over the last few years. Because, like, I'm going into this movie, because I love the original Jumanji, so I'm going into the movie with just, like, you know, the like thinking about Ghostbusters and, like, uh, you know, 21 Jump Street and, like, Baywatch and all these, like, rehashes of old shows and movies that they're doing now. And I'm just like, ah, this is going to... I can suffer two hours of this dude, like 15 minutes in and I'm like loving it. Like this is probably the best example of how to take like a 20 year old movie property and bring it back into the, the modern world. Mm -hmm. Well, and it was the way they made it was extremely smart. Yeah. Because you don't really have to have like this, unbelievable story to base it off of what's essentially a video game Mm -hmm. and and just the way that the rock and jack black played their characters were so so good the rock the rock is basically playing an awkward teenager and jack black is playing an awkward teenage girl (laughs) but but he was so like he was perfect in that role, yeah, it it was it was so so funny. I haven't wa- I haven't laughed that hard at a movie, uh, in a theater since probably the original Hangover. Um, yeah, and you know, uh, my wife uh, told me the other day that her sister wants to go see it too and wanted to know if we wanted to go see it again. And I'm like, yeah, I'll go see it again in the theater. I don't mind at all, because I don't know about you, but that was even though Jumanji's not a real video game. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. that was the best representation of how to do a comedy video game movie. Yeah. Like with the I NPCs totally and just like the different areas you have to go in, uh, the different people in the group that have their, their, you know, strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, you can't read the map until you go to into an area and then the map opens up and it was just really Whoever made this movie was definitely a video game fan and knew how to translate it to the big screen. Yeah, and like I said, it was just the way they made it, you know, with those little details, it was just extremely smart. Yeah, and and I felt like you could really make a video game out of that. Like, it would be really fun to play. Yeah. But yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it way more than I thought I was going to. And I was pleasantly surprised with how good that movie was. I even want to buy it on Blu-ray when it comes out. Yeah. So it was really good. Everybody should go see it. Thumbs up for Jumanji. uh, Welcome to the jungle. It gets my, uh, you know, it's not Citizen Kane. Like don't go in expecting, you know, for it to change your life, but it's definitely one of those movies that I'm going to use as like background noise for when I'm working. 
for sure. But cool. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and wrap this one up before we uh, keep going on whatever else we <laughs> we experienced yeah. in the last week or so. But uh, but yeah, head on over to uh, the Pop Culture Palette at uh, at PCP Show and uh, give it a listen and go follow Derek over at uh, at Derek underscore Diamond and is it at D Diamond Experience on uh, Twitter? D Diamond Podcast. D Diamond Podcast. Um, and yeah, so go ahead and do that. And let me get our music ready here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are on nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. You can follow us individually at jfunktastic at Derek underscore diamond. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So Derek, tell them what it's all about. Master Blaster runs bought a town. Oh, oh, oh. Master Blaster runs bought a town. <laughs> You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.